0: Well, this morning, I'd like to draw you into a story. Imagine that your nation, your religion, your way of life are being threatened by forces outside of your own control. You yearn for the days of old while life seems to change more rapidly than you could wish. Poverty is everywhere. People are on the move. You hear of wars and rumors of wars. A foreign nation has invaded your land and brought with it armed rule, puppet leaders and idolatries of various kinds. You long for deliverance. Well, for some, this might sound like something right out of our contemporary world, but what I'm describing is the context for a Jew living in first century Palestine. For hundreds of years, Jews waited. For the messiah it was not one of those short waiting periods that is soon over like a wisp of smoke that blows away by the early morning breeze but a long earnest wait with everything that you have within you period that feels like it will never end and out of this waiting the jews did what we also would do if we were in their situation they looked for a great military leader they longed for a king They nurtured this deep expectation of a particular kind of power being inserted into this world. If Caesar and the Roman army are powerful, they expected the Messiah to be more powerful still. Instead, they received a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. I'm gonna read from three women whose writings I deeply admire this morning. Two of them are poems, so bear with a little poetry this morning. The first is Madeline Langle. She says, this is no time for a child to be born with the earth betrayed by war and hate and a nova lightening the sky to warn that time runs out and the sun burns late. That was no time for a child to be born. In a land in the crushing grip of Rome, honor and truth were trampled by scorn, yet here did the Savior make his home. When is the time for love to be born? The inn is full on the planet Earth, and by greed and pride the sky is torn, yet love still takes the risk of birth. I purposefully chose the text that we read uh, this morning because it actually speaks very matter-of-factly about the birth of Jesus in simple, straightforward language. It's, it's a narrative. It's narrat- narrating Jesus's entrance into this world, and it does so without drum roll or fireworks or other worldly splendor. This is not to say that the incarnation is lacking in spectacular power. But before and after his birth, we see angels, a virgin birth, a star appearing to wise men from the east. Later, of course, in Jesus' life, we see healings of all different kinds. We see exorcisms, the forgiveness of sins, teaching with authority, and dead raised to life. The incarnation is all of that and so much more. But for this moment, let's listen to this simple text. And let's be welcomed into what the text wants us to feel. We're told of a census, a foreign governor, a young couple traveling to Bethlehem, and then the birth of a child in a manger, and we are told that the baby is swaddled. Now in fact later Luke returns to this whole concept of swaddling when the angels appear to the shepherds in the countryside they tell them that the sign of the Messiah will be a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger the wise men they received a sign of a star the shepherds are told of a swaddled baby And I wonder if today we can also receive this sign for us today, pointing us deeper into the incarnation. As we ponder through this whole year the life of servanthood, it's essential that we enter again and again and again into the mystery of the incarnation. Let me go one step further to say that we need to be trained by the incarnation. I had a mentor many years ago who would marvel at the mystery of the incarnation with a fervor that quite simply humbled me. Though he was a professor of New Testament, though he was a Greek scholar, though he helped translate the New Testament into the NIV, he would ask me, a young student, questions about the incarnation. I was baffled. He would get teary whenever in church we sang Charles Wesley's hymn, Hark, the." the herald angels sing. And we would come to those beautiful words, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased in flesh with us to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. I once made the mistake, never repeated, of telling my mentor that the incarnation is just a mystery to which he reprimanded me and implored it's a mystery that we should never stop pondering. Of course, the incarnation is more than swaddling cloths. We might argue that there are more significant, poignant theological passages by which we could enter into the beauty of the incarnation, such as how John begins his gospel or Philippians 2 or Mary's Magnificat. The incarnation is first and foremost about God's nature. The incarnation communicates to us and welcomes us deeper into God's salvation. The incarnation reveals, reveals to us the beauty of our humanity, but the incarnation also says to us something significant about the nature of power God's power in the world. You see, we can't speak about the nature of servanthood without delving into power. And we can't discuss power without probing into God's power, which is the only real power in the universe. And while God's power takes many different forms from speaking words, or as Tolkien and C.S. Lewis singing words that call creation into being, to forming a people, to parting the Red Sea, to raising the dead, and ultimately to reconciling all things to Jesus Christ. We cannot ignore the power that is right there in the incarnation. God becomes human, He clothes Himself in our humanity. He is wrapped in swaddling cloths and He is laid in a manger. So the incarnation welcomes us, it bids us, every one of us, into a journey deeper into God and deeper into our humanity. And please don't ever separate those. Isn't that a beautiful reality? We are never told to choose between God and our humanity. By by choosing God, we are taken deeper into our real humanity. And one of the things that we find is we discover in our humanity what Marva Dawn calls the gracious tabernacling of God. And we see this gracious tabernacling of God with a baby in swaddling clothes. God tabernacles in our weakness, our vulnerability, even our suffering. God tabernacles in our humanity. Now swaddling is not a new practice, it's a very ancient practice of maternal care that involves binding up a newborn so that they feel the warmth and protection of the womb. I wonder if even in these days with weighted blankets whether it's another form of swaddling that we experience. The God of the universe, the Lord of all, the King of the heavens is swaddled. He allows the hand of his mother or midwife to wrap him up tightly. Jesus is bound. The incarnation points us to the true nature of servanthood. There is no position, title, degree, or status that can bypass the pathway of the incarnation. The pathway of the incarnation has one solitary door of entrance, and that is the door of the incarnation. And of course, the incarnation is larger than swaddling cloths. It takes us into the fullness of Jesus's life and eventually into his sufferings and his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And we need all of Christ. But during this season, let's take all that we can of the mystery of the incarnation. Is this a doorway that we today are willing to enter? Marva Dawn, she asks a similar question in her probing, insightful, prophetic voice. She says, if the church is most faithful to its true vocation as a created power through the weakness that gives way to God's tabernacling, then we must ask such questions as why have we turned pastors into successful CEOs instead of shepherds for the weak? Why do we search for pastors who are handsome, sophisticated, charismatic, instead of models of suffering? Why do our churches adopt practices of business life and its achievement models? Why do we resort to gimmicks or what Jacques Ellul calls technique instead of practicing an unadulterated handling of the Word of God. Well, I th- would suggest that one of the reasons that we choose and we chase after these things is that we have not been discipled by the Incarnation. The Incarnation has not gone deep enough to actually mentor us into power. Power, of course, is a beautiful, creational. Life-giving reality in the world, but it is dangerous and even toxic when unfettered from God's nature. Hence, power needs swaddling. It requires the manger. Power demands the full resources of the incarnation to redeem it from the inside out. And we who are being trained to be ministers of the Church of Jesus Christ need to be discipled in power, in God's power and in God's power of the incarnation. Listen to this carefully. We need to be discipled by the incarnation so that we can be servant leaders. We are not just leaders who occasionally serve, but servants who lead through our humanity and the gracious tabernacling of God. Let me read one last poem for us. This one is by Lucy Shaw. She says, after the bright beam of hot annunciation fused heaven with dark earth, his searing, sharply focused light went out for a while, eclipsed in amniotic gloom. His cool immensity of splendor, his universal grace, small folded in a warm, dim female space. The word, stern-sentenced, to be nine months dumb." Infinity walled in a womb until the next enormity, the mighty after submission to a woman's pains, helpless on a barn bare floor, first tasting bitter earth. Now I in him surrender to the crush and cry of birth. Because eternity was closeted in time, he is my open door to forever. Let's pause during the season of Advent to redeem servant power through the enormous, staggering resources of the Incarnation. My mentor would say to all of us, don't ever stop pondering the mystery of the Incarnation. And you know, friends, you can preach the Incarnation even in August. It doesn't just have to be in December because we need to be trained more deeply by it. And we need to open ourselves up and say, come, make us new. Train us in the person of Jesus Christ. So never stop pondering this mystery. Never stop being trained by it. God Almighty enters our world as a helpless newborn. The King of all clothes himself in our full humanity. He is born in a manger. Friends, the Savior of the world allows himself to be swaddled. Let's pray together. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, and equip us and train us and teach us what the real human is. Come by the power of the Holy Spirit, come and equip us to be your servants in this world. Teach us what the real human is. Teach us what the real servant is and send us out into your broken world as light and hope and life and peace, and joy through the mystery of your incarnation. We pray this in your name.